0: You that? Yes, sir. We,
1: ass, we
0: ass every time they see it. You that? Yes, sir. you. Yeah! Yes, sir. We're going to beat their ass in recruiting. We're going to beat their ass every time they see us. How's that? You understand that? Yes, sir. Roll that one. Fuck you. Yeah.
1: network where the purpose of the podcast as always is to make me money and I say that because we're not hypocritical like politicians like athletes that say oh we do it for the people we do it for your best interest for the soul of the country no 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 we're doing this to make money because I understand that in a capitalist system collaboration right leads to innovation and the more i have an mba i have securities licenses i have clients that worth 50 million right to take my advice but in life the more you know the more you know you don't know and in this podcast i've learned from the tim in Chat's taught me i've learned from so many people information that i've been able to monetize we've been fortunate lucky and good um, who knows for many reasons, every single week in the NFL season, we've paid money and in a week of wall street bets, we've continuously great lessons, right? Continuously from the beginning of the season, we're at over 500% ROI, because what's important is return on investment. So our bankroll, we're lucky fortunate to get started at 50,000. Now we're over $200,000. All right. That is the bottom line. So every single business meeting has to have a purpose and an outcome. So that's the purpose. And now you have the outcome. We have five times more money than when we started. But as I even tell, I have one client who thinks he knows everything. And he's taught me in a way because his ethics are different. Usually I would fire him as a client. He has 30 million liquids. He says, I like my mistress more than my wife. I can't stand my kids. And I don't care about my employees. You're just here to make me money, right? And I tell him, listen, I almost was going to say his name, but I'm not. I'm going to call him uh, cannabis testing because that's the can- <laughs> business he's in. He's actually in another business, but that's the one he wants to come in. If you're the toughest, smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Uh, the Marine, Josh, Luna was going to be in here? But we got Jim Coventry, if you pronounce the name right. From Chicago, Illinois, Hall of Fame catcher, right at the Loyola no, Knights, right. But he, <laughs> he won the the fantasy team a long time ago, national championship. A guy who's smarter, tougher than I am, Jim Coventry. Thank you for joining us today.
0: Very excited to be here. Always enjoy talking life, finances, and football, and anything else that comes up when we have this opportunity.
1: No, that that is awesome likewise. Uh, and the reason we're here today is to discuss the Super Bowl. However, uh, we're old, so we're kind of renaissance guys, so we can walk and chew gum at the same time. (laughs) What we're going to do is also give you business and financial life lessons that you can use, and as we were discussing before, if you listen to this podcast five years from now, you're probably going to get more than listening to it now if you're gripping about the game. You give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, you teach the man a fish, you teach him for a lifetime, all right? And unbeknownst to him, Jim had made me a lot of money this year. First, I had an open mind to listen to Jim, see what Jim was saying, but he, did, he does and did a phenomenal job Using fundamental analysis, what we do as well is we use business and financial concepts. We apply them to the sports betting market, which now the big wigs at ESPN here and that are making it clear to people that the sports betting market is a more ethical, more legit market than the stock market. And remember, sports betting market was really originated by mobsters, Al Capone in Chicago. What are your thoughts on that, Jim?
0: Couldn't agree with you more. I really like the opportunity. Hey, look, there are many types of gambling. The stock market, in my opinion, the layman, that was always the gambling racket. You gambled and now you move it to the sports arena and now it's become legal in way more states than the old days of just Nevada and even Atlantic City. Yes, this is mainstream now. And so you can choose where to make your money. You can get knowledge in either arena. You can gain an edge in either arena.
1: No, absolutely, absolutely. And the numbers involved are astronomical. That's why you know I'm very excited uh, collaborating with Jim because the sports betting market, now that it's been legalized. Now, two of the richest states came on board with Virginia and New York. It's a $1 trillion market. So when you look at the stimulus, 1.9 million, They're making sure 1.9 million goes through, will be a total of 5 trillion to the T. Since the pandemic started, it is because the US market, right, with people that own houses and assets, is $26 trillion. The stock market is about half of that, it's $13 trillion. Sports betting market is $1 trillion. And the people that make the most money are the people that have the best information. And the best information I've gotten this year has been from Jim. So thank you so much for making money uh, with your technical analysis, Jim.
0: You know, it's funny because what I do is I work for RotoWire wire Fantasy Sports Company. They were gracious enough to put me on SiriusXM during the season. And I view myself as a public servant. I love football. I love sharing with the things that I learn. And until you connected with me, I had no idea how it impacted you. I assume my uh, analysis for fantasy players and you enlightened me that it works just as well, if not better, for those who are betting. So that made me very happy to hear that I was helping people with their passion and you know, increase their own knowledge base.
1: Right. And, and in this week, we had Wall Street bets where people paid off their student loans, people paid for houses in rich areas through a pump and dump scheme. All right. Now, Who's the first one to do a pump and dump screen screen this year during the pandemic? It was Portnoy and Barstool Sports, where you get a group of people and they go towards a short-term investment and they don't look at it long-term. But as everybody who listens to the podcast knows, higher level thinking is long-term thinking. And salesmen think short-term, businessmen and women think long-term. And it's not a moral thing. We we also teach decision science, how to make decisions, the same process used by Fortune 500 companies, used by Jeff Bezos. Has a lot. We got AJ Martin, man, one of my guys. I love AJ Martin, Austin, Texas. He's on the on Periscope. And again, everybody that jumps on Periscope. Any sports-related betting question you have, please ask. This podcast we're going A to Z because this is. The Super Bowl is like the New Year's Eve of sports bet, right? When I used to own a restaurant, uh, I've been married 18 years, and I owned a restaurant in my 20s, uh, the nights that I met women the most were Tuesday, Thursday nights, because that's when the either the professional drinking women or the waitresses or whatever went out. You never went out on the weekends because that's when the amateurs go. The Super Bowl is amateur time for sports betting, and you always see it on Twitter and we'll retweet it. Uh, casino, right? Bragging about the big fish they get. Somebody that put a money line bet on the favorite and lost a million dollars, right? So people who listen to the podcast and watch the live stream, you don't do that. We bet just as much on the Super Bowl as we are tonight at Washington State, plus 12 uh, on the road at Oregon, right? We've the same amount. Again, this is a business meeting. To get that 500% ROI, right, you have to look at it as a, a business proposition. So the same way you evaluate an investment, the same way you evaluate a stock, it's the same way you evaluate a wager. Uh, how does that hit you, Jim? When you hear me say that, in, you know, as far as because you've been in sports forever, you've been a college athlete, Division One college athlete. What are your thoughts?
0: So, what I first think it's very important is I like the concept you're coming from about equal amounts of betting, or call it investing, if you will.
1: It is investing
0: on every single game. I have not been a gambler i've done a little bit this year but it just became legal in illinois this year right but i always told people even though i wasn't a gambler you always bet the same amount on every game because if you have that so-called best bet and you put five times the amount on that that best bet still loses 25 percent of the time you undo all of your good work by overrating one potential game and therefore every game is treated equal. If you come out over 52 and a half percent, you will be a winner. And like you who are delving into the 60% waters, you build your ROI over time by being consistent and wise.
1: Right. And knowledge is everything, right? So the reason that, uh, I get overjoyed listening to Jim, right? Because, you know, a guy running three businesses, your time is limited. So 80% of your time has to be in revenue generating activity. And Nothing lasts forever, as we know, all right? So the person with the best information wins. So when I talk about time, and I have it pinned on my, uh, on my Twitter, but we'll go through it real quick. I got my board out here. <laughs> and I use this with clients all the time. Real value, when people talk about value in sports, it's really psychological factors plus functional factors divided by time and money. And there's only four ways to make money. Money from labor, money from real estate, and inheritance, right? And money from capital. And it's important because there's the big things going on. So you're maximizing the highest use of your time. And I really learned this a lot from super rich people who didn't need the money, right? (laughs) But they were always very cognizant that really time equals money. So if you're watching a game, whatever it is, if it's it's legal now in Illinois sports betting, you have to maximize your your time, right? And we'll get into the game right after this. The second part of it is, uh, and I have little videos on Twitter explaining this, each point are lies that I've seen people say in the corporate world, trying to sell me things, and that I see out there, right, to try to make your money. So now we're fortunate, lucky, and good that we're the only podcast that works for the people. We're Wall Street Beth. All the other podcasts, all the other people work for uh, the casino or Penn National, right, or Penn, Penn National that owns Barstool Sports. You can listen to the Pat. Podcast, we talked to Mike Gill, who just a uh, super rich guy, he got $500 million settlement. He explains how Penn National was originated by one of the five families in New York. And then it ranged out to be Steve Wynn, who still owns 40% of Penn National, who runs uh, Stool Sports. So, do they want you to win? Of course not, because if you win, you lose money. So when Portnoy tells you to buy a stock, Gets all his people in it. The price rises. He sells. He puts the money in his pocket. Short term. We're long term, middle class people, right? So, who's the better stockbroker? The guy who has 200%, 400%, zero, 500%, or the guy who's 200% each year, Jim?
0: I'm gonna say the guy who makes 200% each year.
1: Exactly, all right? And people get that wrong. That's why 95% of people in the finance industry suck, right? And then on top top of that, Wall Street bets, you have a war going on. And you have financial analysis, which we talk about a lot, and we'll talk about it as we get into the game, right? Fundamental analysis, I use it a lot because if in, in fundamental analysis, within it is you evaluate a stock corporate governance, which for us are the coaches in the general manager, or your Ray John Rondos or your Tom Brady's, or coaches on the field making real time decisions versus Wall Street bets, which is technical analysis which is analytics now you ask okay which one works in in for us the poor middle class people right we don't have all the information before we make business decisions but we have families we have businesses to me I don't have any kids but when I owned my restaurant and it dawned on me because I was a 20 you know 27 20 year old idiot it dawned on me. I can't just take all the money and go party in Miami with these rich people. I have to leave the money in the bank and read books all weekend because I have to meet payroll. It would be irresponsible for me for all my employees and have checks to go, you know, to invest in on front. So you you have that bet. What's, what's the answer, right? The answer is all of the above. of situational. Real intelligence is situational intelligence. Other fundamental analysis gives you long-term thinking, all right? So really what it is, is a get-rich-slow scheme, uh, get-rich-slow s- scheme, right? To pay gas and to pay for vacations. So my wife hasn't bought gas that is not betting dollars since 2011 because it makes her feel good. Before we got married, she was broke and she hated going to the gas station. Now she's married to me, right? And we'll do a podcast one day. Sports betting is a marriage. Thing. Yes. It's not married to me. She's like, hey, I want to buy an expensive purse or it goes to the guest. She prefers to do it with sports betting dollars. What do you think about all that before we get into the game?
0: No, I, I think that's a great plan. And like I said, you are coming to the point by saying that you are applying your business principles. You're using information to make sound decisions, consistently managing bankroll, and sports becomes a vehicle to allow you to improve your lifestyle.
1: And, right, as a sports fan, I'm making money, I'm making my time more valuable, because we go back to the value equation. People forget this. I see a lot of people forget this. And it's, you know, if you say money doesn't buy happiness, I say you don't know where to stop, right? But it's not the end-all, be-all. Value is psychological factor plus functional by time and money. A lot of people, for whatever reason, and probably you can give me some insight, because I think you did give me some insight real quick the other day. Uh, The heads up here, but... Uh, Josh, just a heads up. Can hear you, guest on feed. Let me know if you can hear the guest on the feed, because so I can change that real quick. And that's good, because I've been doing it once the talking. All right, here we go. I'm gonna switch it up. All right. All right. Cool.
0: Yeah. Well, Jim will be on in a second. Okay. Right back. Here we go.
1: So, psychological fact. So I have clients. I have this client that worth fifty million dollars liquid. Has another fifty million dollars. Investment, he's functional time and money, psychological factor. He won't date any women, or he dates them very skeptically, and he's always having problems because he thinks they're all gonna date him for his money. So he's you know, he hired me to get him out of a business problem, but he really needed to hire my wife for psychological factors, right? So you have to enjoy watching the game, especially if you're a sports fan. I have a very good friend of mine who gets me for stock picking. He doesn't watch any sports, but he bets on every single game using technical analysis. All he does is sit in a cubicle or at his house with a bunch of charts and he picks which thing because he hates sports. He doesn't get psychological value on it. He's making a ton of money, but he's not like us. We like watching the games. We like getting emotionally involved. but well, you understand that, right? Then we have a podcast where we deal with the Hawthorne effect We you check your perception. So being married 17 years, I'm different than the guy with 50 million who lives alone, who has nobody checking his thinking. And perception is not reality, right? No. Uh, there aren't laser beams that can heat your house that come from satellites. not <laughs> <laughs> this forest fire, but that's, somebody's, that's a lot of people's perception, right?
0: You but know, People m- with a lot of money with that type of perception is my target audience has been fantasy football because basically these people are very passionate about football. They are in it because they love football. Sure, they wanna win and that's an important part of it, but they would play something different if they didn't have that passion. And so that really fuels me knowing how much people care. And like you mentioned yourself and others who are doing the gambling, Right. If you're passionate about the game, you also fit in with my target dynamic because we share that passion. We share that energy and love for it. And then we turn that into winning, whether it's in fantasy football or making money through betting. Oh, exactly. Exactly.
1: And fantasy football now, that it's not legal in the 50 states. Uh, is going to be legal pretty much everywhere else. California is going to come on board. So, when California comes on board, uh, you're going to have New York, California, Virginia, right? And you're going to have all the bigger states. And let me fix my microphone real quick.
0: All right. So, we should be good to go. You can hear me now, Jim? Perfectly.
1: All right. Now, people can hear the guests, but the podcast will be perfect. And so we're content-based, so we don't have to be perfect all the time. We're like, um remember my younger days, used to go watch my friends in a band play, and uh, it would be a great performance. You'd be in the back with all the groupies and stuff, having a good time. And the guys are depressed because they made mistakes. And I'm like, no, we didn't hear any of the mistakes. They were content-based. No. So now we should be good. Uh And the people on Periscope can hear the guests. All right. So let's get into the game. So what's your initial breakdown of the game?
0: So first of all, these teams played in week 12. And typically, we have moderate learning from those prior contests. However, right. Kansas City came out in the first quarter and began to bury the Buccaneers. So we quickly learned some things that would definitely work. Tyreek Hill against single coverage with one safety. That was something the Buccaneers wouldn't have an answer for. And then what we saw, the Buccaneers changed their game plan a little bit in the first half. And then Travis Kelsey was open in the middle of the field because they began to put a little more attention on Tyreek Hill. So then Travis Kelsey was effective. And then at halftime, the Buccaneers made two fundamental changes. They occasionally double teamed both Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And on other plays, they put two safeties very deep to keep the long passing game from beating them. basically, it worked. However, other players were now wide open. Patrick Mahomes just missed Nicole Hardman on an 89 yard, which would have been an easy walk-in touchdown. Because of the adjustments the Buccaneers made, other opportunities presented themselves. We come into this game now. So the Chiefs know some things that will work if they see the looks the Buccaneers gave them early. They know some of the adjustments that they would make because they already made them at halftime. Right. In addition, Andy Reed has had two weeks and Andy Reed's history with an extra week to prepare for a team allows him to come up with beautiful play calling to exploit the weakness of the defense. So that's my initial thought coming in that the chiefs have a lot of advantages.
1: Right. And being married for 17 years, uh, one of the reasons you know somebody's honest is when they disagree with you. Right. So I, I hear you on all the built-in advantages that Kansas City has, and I agree with that fundamental analysis, which makes me happy, which I start jumping for joy <laughs> <laughs> when, I hear, when I hear fundamental analysis. Uh, however, Right. And I like your thoughts on this. Uh, Again, you got to think of your thinking, right? So
0: always metacognition.
1: Exactly. So number one is number one rule of betting. And I'll have it in the episode notes, the top 10 rules of betting. I'm going to add some more stuff in there, but I love that document. Something I've been working on and collaborating with my buddy from Victor. We have a legendary NCAA trip which uh, we always talk about. Uh, never bet your own team. So the number one rule of betting is never bet your own team. So I'm a big fan of JPP. Now, it's not just that he <laughs> has a phenomenal body, his genetics are off the charts, but, right, you see they're up there alumni. He's from the University of South Florida. So I wasn't betting on the Bulls, but he's a big Bulls guy. But he did win. And one thing I like to talk about, it's kind of a theme, how incestuous the NFL is and how it's that rigid thinking, right? But sometimes it's almost like in business. The clients that the biggest pain in the ass that you dislike personally end up, who knows if that's true, right? Uh, a guy making an incredible play in the field is the first guy to bat. Statistically, it's not true, but it seems that way. But it seems like the biggest client the biggest pain in the ass is the one that makes you the most money. So I kind of hate that the NFL is and they have this rigid thinking, but at the same time, it's paid for vacations for me. <laughs> it's paid for my wife's gasoline. So JPP won a Super Bowl. With who? Spagnola, who's the defensive coordinator for your Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. So he's not the brightest star in the sky, but maybe he's football smart. He's going to give insight this week on how Spagnola thinks. Who knows? However, we have two things going, and I want to know your your analysis on this. Mm -hmm. You have a missing left tackle. What's the most important? Arguably, we can. Everybody can argue about it. Arguably, the most important position in on a football team in the NFL. I'm going to say, even college now, is your left tackle. And the left tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs is missing.
0: So, Eric Fish, you want me to continue from here?
1: Yeah, he's missing. So, two things. The two things is JPP, Chuck Barrett. Coming at them. Number two is what Miss may And I know Aaron Martin and Tim Chad that they haven't, they've been made money on this and they're sick of hearing me say this, but it makes money. 90% this year, except for Jacksonville. So I probably should have had a hundred percent, but that's, that's the difference between technical analysis, technical analysis says, Pick the Florida team second half line. So 9 out of 10 times and up to 85% the last two years. Statistically, the last five years. If you pick the Florida team second half line, you've made 80%. Remember, 52.5% is break even. So if you're like my guy over there who hates sports, this <laughs> blindly bets. If he bet just blindly Florida second half lines, he's at 80%. Remember, 52.5% is break even. And that margin is compound interest. So going back to this game, and in Spanish, we had Tony Mejia from Vegas Insider, now on Wager Talk. We had a Spanish Super Bowl podcast, and he's in Orlando, and my dad's in uh, Tampa, 86. And my dad doesn't like sports either. But when I asked him about the weather, he's like, I know why you're asking me. And yes, the people from Kansas City are gonna feel the humidity in the second half. That's what my Cuban 86-year-old minister dad said. And Mahia is saying the same thing, that it's gonna be 80% humidity in the second half. It's gonna be cooler, but the kids from Kansas City are gonna feel that. So putting that all together, What's your fundamental analysis about all that?
0: Yes. So the first thing I noticed, and this goes back to the week 12 game, the Chiefs were prepared for heavy pressure. One of the ways they dealt with that is they frequently had Patrick Mahomes get the ball out of his hands quickly, they ran quick routes. They put players in motion. They move Tyreek Hill. When he was single covered. they put him on the outside. Otherwise they move him into the slot, but they utilize the quick release. So the pass rush could barely get to him. But on the other hand, yes, the left tackle is out. And that is a major deal when you have a pocket quarterback, because right. it's called the blind side protector. So in the old hmm. days of football, even Tom Brady, if Tom Brady drops back, he expects that blindside protector to keep him from taking a clean hit. However, Patrick Mahomes for three years running is the best quarterback in the league against pressure and the blitz because Patrick Mahomes, as soon as the pressure's coming, he moves away from the pressure. And the beauty of Patrick Mahomes is that he does not need fundamentals. He can throw with a regular two feet on the ground platform. He can throw with one foot, either foot on the ground. He can throw with no feet on the ground and still deliver with strength and accuracy. And even if he needs to change his arm angle and the chiefs receivers are all coached. And that includes um, Travis Kelsey, the tight end. They are all coached when he break Patrick Mahomes breaks the pocket. They are, coached to run to specific areas to flow with the play and Mahomes will deliver the ball and defensive backs once the play breaks cannot cover that long. The pressure is problematic and another thing the Chiefs will not test the Bucks run defense. They ran 36 passes to six runs in the first half when the game was competitive in the first meeting and Vita Vea is back this week. They are not going to waste their time running. And you talk about the humidity, and I understand Tampa Bay's at home, but we've seen in a couple recent Super Bowls, the pass rushes of teams against teams that throw the ball 50-plus times, they wear out in the second half because you can only chase a quarterback for so long. I think Patrick Mahomes is such an outlier. The pass rush is irrelevant. The left tackle being out is slightly relevant, but mostly irrelevant.
1: No, I can see that, I can see that. And uh, teamwork makes the dream work, like I said, for wagering, right? Uh, They couldn't hear you. And now I know, and we fixed the audio. So if anybody has any questions, now we can do that. Uh, Tim Chad says, uh, bet the points scored in the first half, second half, minus one thing as they feel each other, in the first half. Now, what I'm thinking is that you are going to be absolutely correct in the first half. However, right. Uh, fatigue makes us cowards of, the, of us all. <laughs> yes. Reed's going to have the perfect game plan, but I remember <laughs> high school basketball and, uh, the only reason I got on the court is because I knew the plays, talent level, nowhere near. There were certain guys who – Division One guys, guys that went to the NBA. Really no reason to be on the court. I think half of it was the coach liked my jokes, Dan Wright. i of coach over there. And he knew that I was going to hustle and know the plays. But I remember overtime, how tired I would be in an overtime game. And I didn't even know the whole play. Remember, I, me, I was there so the point guard didn't get worn out. And I would go in and know the plays – and uh, I never really shot until my senior year of high school. And coach was when I did take the shot. The coach was like, "No, no, 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 good shot, good shot." <laughs> uh, and I remember overtime playing the first half, playing the second, then playing. The second half, playing you know how tired I was, right? Uh, the heat, the humidity, the anxiety. This is a Super Bowl. It's not just a regular Super Bowl. You got a missing left tackle. And JPP has led the league in sacks. We saw him last week, he made his money. <laughs> he I, did, he did. So process on the over JPP, Shaq Barrett. And you said, Vita Vea. you're saying that she's going to abandon the running game. You're talking about Mahomes. He has turf toe. Turf toe takes a year to heal. So observing him last game, he was wincing and he was limping because the shot wore off. So he's taking shots that's wearing off his body. The other part of it is he had oxygen missing from his brain, right? So you, you got to look at direct evidence. You got to look at your perception. We talk about the Hoffman effect, whatever you track and measure, you improve 10 to 20%. And I love media like 500 Days of Summer the affair, the undoing, where it shows Twilight zone, right? You think something, but you're totally 100% off. It's really something else. Somebody's thinking something else. So you got to think about direct evidence. The Zoom he did with Tom Brady this week. I sent you the picture of the bags underneath his eyes. (laughs) And that he just didn't look right. He, He looked tired. Could be the baby keeping him up at night. We don't know. But uh, the rollouts he did. And we always use analytics Does not work in football. Myself and Urban Meyer feel that. And I guess Urban Meyer making $10 million a year. Uh, but key statistics do. So if a quarterback makes three first down with his legs, they win 75% of the time. So that's why we saw... Mahomes last time when they saw certain coverage was an automatic run. he gingerly run, but he still got really good yardage. That tells me that he he's not a hundred percent. he's not going to be a hundred percent for this game for the quarterback runs and then the quarterback pressures. So in my thought process, in that second half, once they relax and then they rewarm up to come back, they do not have depth on the opposite line. So if that left tackle gets banged up, and then my nefarious thought process comes in, right? What we would have done, well, done back in the years, if you would intentionally try to hurt the left tackle because <laughs> they know they like depth, right? Or in boxing, when the guy's eye shuts. Where do you hit them? Where the I just shot. I don't know. Obviously the Bucks aren't going to do that, but they might. What's more confusing, right, than a Todd Bowles zone blitz? Jim.
0: Well, not much. But understand that Patrick Mahomes and I understand the injury issue. I completely get that. But when Patrick Mahomes faces blitzes with more than five rushers he becomes even more dangerous. The more bodies you send, the more opportunities his speedy receivers are to have single coverage. And with the chemistry that they have, building off their Super Bowl season of last year, they're near miss the year before. They played together so long, the hot reads are there. Travis Kelsey is a major factor when the blitz comes because he often is that hot, hot read. And he, as you watch these games, He is very wise at rolling with Mahomes to give him an easy target and his ability to not be covered effectively by linebackers or safeties, his sheer size. There are just so many outs for Kansas city. I agree. They're going to bring pressure, but there is going to be a big risk to that. It can work. It can work. It hasn't worked on Patrick Mahomes in his career yet. It can work. It didn't work when they faced him in week 12. Possible that the toe injury is worse than he's letting on. I could see that. But based on what we've seen, and if he plays at the level he played in the AFC championship game, I think sometimes it's weird to say this. Right. We underrate the absolute small room. Hall of Fame type guys. And I'm not saying based on like he has a long career to go, but what he's done so far, they're small room Hall of Fame type numbers. And sometimes we don't account for that. And over the course of the season, look, the Chiefs were sleepwalking through the season. They let teams back in the games every week. And that's an Andy Reid thing. And you keenly and astutely point that out. But in the playoffs, they played their Best two games of the season, notwithstanding the part where Chad Henney was in. Right. I believe that the Chiefs coasted through the season, made it to the playoffs, and now they're going to turn it on because they can. It's like some of those you know great teams we've seen in the past that can actually turn the notch up. I think the Chiefs spotted it during the season, and they have a gear that we started to see, especially against Buffalo. So that's my concern, Mike. But the Bucks can do this; they definitely can.
1: Now, before we switch to the Bucks' offense against the Chiefs' defense, uh, big another big uh, debate in sports betting is whether you can uh, predict turnovers. Right now, uh, we had Ben Ratliff from. Uh, Houston Baptist running the air raid and Andy Reed is totally not an area guy. He's a tight end, uh, fullback guy. Uh, he seems to me, doesn't seem to me what I've noted. And I've uh, taken notes on that. What he had done is taken parts of the air raid, And then he's made it simple, right? Uh, Like Ronald Reagan used to say, uh, intelligent people take something difficult and make it easy. Dumb people take something easy (laughs) and make it hard. Yes. So Andy Reid says, you see this defense run this play. Like last time we saw them, you see this defense run Tyreek Hill across the field and throw a five-yard pass and let the man run. All right? Very simple play. Very simple play. However, they do do the air raid, right? And my concern with the air raid with Mahomes, what the air raid is, is that you independently read the defense with the receiver, right? And the receiver reads the defense, and boom, the ball comes. So you need smart receivers, you need a smart quarterback. I don't think they should have said this and if people got on them, but Kelsey says that he has a connection with Mahomes. Mm -hmm. And that play that we saw tells me that Mahomes does not have that same connection with Tyreek Hill. And very doubtful he's going to have that connection with Sammy Watkins. If he plays, a lot of people are saying that that's a smokescreen. That Uh, Sammy Watkins is not going to play. But even if he does play, it's going to be a set play, right? It's not going to be a uh, air raid play, right? So, that being said, Todd Bowles, right? Uh, He is a zone guy, very conservative zone guy. And this zone uh, blitz, right? Uh, that was run by the really old guy that coached for a hundred years, ended up being in Cincinnati. LeBeau. Dick LeBeau. Yep. Dick LeBeau zone blitz defense. This is what this is run by Todd Bowles. Arians has won two Super Bowls with them. That's why the Bucks have that defense. So. On your Kelsey plays that you just talked about, if it's a air raid and Kelsey reads one thing and Mahomes reads one thing at the snap, and if it's another defense, that's going to cause one turnover during the game, is it my opinion. What are your thoughts?
0: It's an absolutely fair call. That certainly can happen. The worst thing that could happen to the Bucks in that case is getting the pass rush on because once that happens and the break play breaks down, the zone blitz schemes are kind of done because it goes in a panic mode. So they're going to need to very wisely choose how they pressure because for that to happen, they would need the Chiefs and their structured offense to create those looks of confusion. That can happen. One thing that we don't often account for is, and I'm George Kittle is certainly in this discussion, but look, Travis Kelsey is right there as the best tight end receiver in the league. Now, the Bucks will struggle all season with tight ends, but this is what we call the elite of the elite. And then Tyreek Hill may not be the best wide receiver in the NFL, but he is the most unique and the speed he has puts such stress on the defense that they always have to be aware to have a player over the top, or they will risk what happened in week 12 when he had 200 yards with 13 minutes gone in the game.
1: Right now, the beauty of it, like I say, is that um, real intelligence, situational intelligence. This is a completely different game than than week twelve. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about right speed, you can't uh, you can't coach speed. But I know that in my experience, uh, again, I shouldn't have been in there, but I had to guard a guy by the name of Bill Teal. Bill Teal won a national championship at, Oregon, at, uh, at Arkansas and then goes on to play in the NBA. And I'm five, seven <laughs> and I, guard guarded him. However, what my, my thesis is that when I guarded him as a freshman, again, I shouldn't have been in there. It was uh, street games. And then when I guarded him our second home game senior year of high school, I was, A, not intimidated by his speed. I was more aggressive with him. I was more talkative to him, right? Uh, So I see that as the Bucs secondary, especially Davis, who shut down pretty much Devontae Adams, even though I thought Devontae Adams was a little worn down. That's what happened to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are not going to be as intimidated by his
0: speed,
1: and I'm convinced... Uh, Tony Mejia today was talking about that it is going to rain in Tampa. They're going to have to cut the grass right after. The NFL is going to be on The grass is going to be higher. It's going to be a wet turf. And that speed advantage is not going to be there. Uh, And uh, Whitfield, your guy's back this time. Yes. But bunting is not. I think it's irrelevant because you have so much time uh, to prepare for the game. And Arians and Bulls will have an adequate game plan. So I don't think that speed advantage with Tyreek Hill and then Kelsey, I really see Kelsey with Devon White and Levante David. We have the same speed, but they don't have the skill set that air raid, boom, the ball's there quickly. I feel they're going to be very physical with him in a one-game situation. Because remember, this is a one-game situation. They're not playing like the NBA. They're not playing a seven-game series. This is a one-game situation. And with Tad Light, uh, the uh, general manager, winning a Super Bowl, Arians winning two Super Bowls, Tom Brady winning six Super Bowls, this feels to me like almost a one-game situation from the get-go. It's like they designed the team to be ready to play one game, one Super Bowl game, one NFC Championship game, one playoff game. Because it seems everything seems very situational. Vita Vea, Fresh Legs, uh, JPP, for some reason, he didn't play the Thursday night game against Mr. Trubisky. Chicago, and he has Fresh Legs. I see a lot of Fresh legs, guys just for this game, almost like Sammy Watkins tied for Tampa Bay. So talk me out of it, right? My perception could be wrong.
0: I will add one thing, though. Evan White is a beautiful linebacker, but he can't cover. He's very poor in pass coverage. All season, he's been a liability there. He just does not have that in his arsenal yet. And Levante David has a significant hamstring injury. He is expected to give it a go, but he clearly will be nowhere near 100%. And there is a possibility he doesn't suit up. And if you're talking wet turf, you give me a guy with a hamstring injury on wet turf, that's problematic. So again, this can work out. And I do see paths where the Buccaneers can win this game. And the one thing we have to be knowledgeable about them is that Andy Reid knows they're going to come in with a specific game plan for Hill and Kelsey, but there are other speedy receivers on that team. Watkins has practiced. It looks like he's going to play. We have Nicole Hardman those two players have exceptional speed. And if they are left in single coverage without safety help, there will be plays where they're stacked and plays where they're set up to abuse whatever defense um, is set up Would take away the double coverage type looks toward Hill and Kelsey. So again, I do agree with you that there are a lot of ways the Bucs can make things happen here, but the chiefs have a lot of, of aces in the deck and even the tens that they have in their hands, which are speed guys, if they're left alone, very problematic.
1: And on Periscope, Tim says, and then we'll go to uh, the other matchup, then we'll give our picks and yep. make some money, some prop picks. Uh, Tampa Bay's weakest link is the secondary. They won't be able to zomble as much and allow single coverage on Hill. Tampa Bay has to keep everything in front of them. Right, however, uh, and and we'll have some clips we'll show on Sunday. JPP is going to come like a bat out of hell with that uh, uh, backup left tackle, which the Kansas City fans, I read, are going after JPP because a Kansas City reporter went to JPP, and they say, what do you think about whatever the guy's name is, Rimmers? He's like, I don't even know who that guy is.
0: <laughs> ouch, he's a veteran. Ouch,
1: ouch. <laughs> right, he's like, I'm just going to go right by. He's a veteran who's played for 10 teams. So there's a reason the man's been cut 10 times.
0: It's true, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. He's, not a great, he's not a great player. player.
1: And the over-under over, is 3.5 sacks. So I think that's really the key. Uh, Kansas City will get their points, but it's really like in baseball, the closer. Who's that Lee Smith? Jen's from Chicago, so we use a lot of Chicago riffles. <laughs> who's going to be that Lee Smith coming out throwing that fireball? It's going to be Shaq Barrett and JPP late in that fourth quarter with a worn-down 300-pound lineman who's been playing in 80-degree heat, 80-degree humidity all game. All right? What are you going to before we go to the other side of the matchup and pick and props
0: yeah, as I said, that is definitely a path that the Bucs will have to go down. That would be their key to slowing down the Chiefs offense enough, getting the Mahomes. Hopefully, the wet turf works out to slow some speed down. And if that pass rush is sustained and it keeps coming over and over, I know, as I said earlier, Mahomes is the best there is against pressure. But that still is the Bucks' best, best path to defensive success.
1: Yes, and Stoney says, ancient Cubs uh, reliever. Wow.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, I, I indulge
1: Jim with my uh, coming home from school, eating homework, and then basketball practice, having those old Cub games with Harry Carey and then uh, Steve Stone. Now, the other side is very interesting because not only is it, I think, a wise football strategy, it's a social experiment but in business. I'm the head of the Orange County Diversity Council. And people think that diversity, when they hear the diversity, they think kumbaya, they think tree loving liberals. But the reason that hardcore CEO, old white CEOs, great grandkids have money, have embraced diversity, or Mike Pence talks about diversity when he goes to West Point, talks to the cadets in their commencement, is that diversity, diverse companies make 45% more free cash flow than any other companies. So Arians has two black coordinators and then his offense is a diverse offense, right? You have liberal Brian Leftwich. You have ultra conservative Tom Brady and you have Arians who's in the middle, old guy from Alabama. And I remember I'm a big Irvin Meyer fan. So I listen to everything he says and he's a very open guy. And Irvin Meyer says that he always has 20 plays that he wants because again, we go to the time and psychological He likes to call plays, but he knows he has a high paid offensive coordinator. He has to let run the offense, uh, the old coach at Indiana is the best hire Ohio State's ever had, Kevin Wilson. Great coach, right? Great offensive. Support. So you going to let him call play. But Ern Barnes is gonna call his 20 plays. Bruce Arians is gonna call his 20 plays. And one thing I love about Tom Brady is his marketing skills. And notice in interviews, you go, oh, that play called by Brian Leftwich, great marketing. He's like, he's marketing, getting Brian Leftwich a head coaching job, right? And then the Tom Brady offense, right? And they hyped it up in the offseason that Tom Brady – and then when you see it, it's Lloyd Carr, two tight ends, sometimes three tight ends. Yes, yes. He turned into a wishbone. And the Tom Brady offense is a running offense. So that, in my opinion, creates a problem for Spagnola because he does not know what's coming at him. There's going to be – new uh I'll, and I'll let your thoughts on this. The Alabama defensive coordinator. Uh and usually the Alabama Birmingham outlet, they throw softball questions at these coaches. But I was watching a press conference and he's like, because he knows the big money and Nick Saban and all that. What happened in the second half against Florida? And his face turns white, his eyes turn big. So he's like, Man, when they came out in the second half. Of the SEC title game, they came out in formations and they ran plays we have not seen all year. So that's why the first game is irrelevant. Believe me, Andy Reid, especially in a pandemic, he has a thousand plays in his head. Mm-hmm. Both teams are going to come at each other's with defensive schemes and offensive schemes they haven't run all year. What are your thoughts, Jim?
0: Possibly. Bruce Arians, in my opinion, is a pretty stubborn coach. He is going to run the ball Right. is what he does. They punted in their first four possessions, and I know, again, the rematch, I get it. They punted the first four possessions because right. they stubbornly ran the ball. Now, in the playoffs, There's they got away with that. that. And I'll tell you that. What's that?
1: There's a reason for that, and I'll tell you that later.
0: Okay. They got All away right, with it to this point in the playoffs have gotten away with they've run the ball. They've gotten in third downs and Tom Brady has consistently bailed them out. He has been amazing on third downs in the playoffs. Now they face a chief's defense that although they give up a lot of yardage, they are among the league's best at third down and normal passing distance. They are amazing. against that they throttle down outside wide receivers. Very well. They bring a lot of pressure. Now, remember, Steve Spagnuolo the defensive coordinator this is the same coach in 2007 when the Patriots are trying for the perfect season and he understood if you pressure Tom Brady even 2007 Tom Brady up the middle Tom Brady cannot function in that and he becomes a below average quarterback we see it time and again now if you get pressure from the outside on Brady great he can move up in the pocket he can navigate it now we talked about injuries earlier injuries earlier. Right Right guard, Alex Kappa. I have the name right? Yeah, Alex Kappa. He broke his ankle in the wildcard round. Chris Jones, probably the best defensive player the Chiefs have. He frequently lines up at the three technique, which is guess where? The right guard. So we talk about pressure. Chris Jones, dominant pass rusher against a turnstile backup guard that is going to be a problem because he is going to push that move inside, crush the pocket on Brady. And how much attention can you put on him when you have Frank Clark on the other side, who is an outstanding pass rusher. So that's where I'm going to start. I'm concerned that if they get conservative with the running game and Brady is in obvious passing situations, Spagnolo's knowledge of Brady and the personnel and the injury to the offensive lineman, this is not a good situation. Now, I do have an antidote, but I want to let you talk a little bit. I, I know the antidote they have.
1: All right. I got ADD, so I forget things. So I'll make sure to get Stony Berg's question. How many gadget plays we'll see? Both teams may roll up their sleeves on Sunday. Now, right there, alumni, University of South Florida, t- uh, Coach Scott's first recruiting class he recruited 12 defensive linemen. Why? Because of the heat and humidity. If Tampa Bay goes three and out, five and out, and runs the ball seven or eight times in, in an attempt to wear down, because there is a limit of plays, those heavy guys, because it's not just 80, listen, I'm dying. And 80 degrees, 80. It's like Chicago in July, right? Where you can't breathe and it's so humid. I went to uh, uh, Hammond, Indiana, in July once. It was so hot and so humid. So you got a 300-pound guy. He's has all this anxiety. He's playing in the Super Bowl. He sees Tom Brady. I'm going to sack Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, and he does all he can to sack Tom Brady. That same guy is going to get pounded in the fourth quarter. He's going to be worn down. So if the same thing happens, I'm not worried, because I know even in that first game, the Bucks made me money in the second half, winning the second half, 17-7. And to take advantage of people, the line was minus four Chiefs. So I end up winning that by 14 points, two touchdowns. I think they'll make the adjustments, but uh, Greg and I and I encourage everybody to read him. I've been reading him forever, Greg Altman. I uh, retweet him a lot. The man knows a lot of football. He used to be the beat writer for USF. And a uh, high school writer before him was Don Banks, who helped me get a the scholarship. He got me into USF, Hall of Fame NFL writer. I digress. He knows a lot about football, Greg, and he, Greg, another guy who's made me a lot of money, man. Having an open mind listening to people makes you a lot of money. And Greg had a column on uh, Leonard Fournette. Again, one of those one-game situation guys. He was a great running back. He can fall forward and get 3.5 yards, which is what Marcel says. Three plays at 3.5 yards. Yards equals a first down. So I think you hit the nail on the spot. Uh, bet the first quarter under, first quarter Chiefs, because Arians from Alabama, a place that's very hot and very humid, uh, they say they have pressure situations, you default to your original thinking. So the man was taught by Bear Bryant. To wear teams down with the run in the first quarter, I see him do. I, I would. It would be crazy for me the way I think for him not to do that. Salesmen think short term. Uh, businessmen think long term. So he's thinking about that quarter. He doesn't want to win the first quarter. He wants to win the fourth quarter big. So I think a hundred percent is going to happen the way you see it. But I think that's a plus for Tampa Bay.
0: I totally understand what you're saying. I do want to answer about the weather. I'm looking at the, um, the weather on NFLWeather.com as of this minute, which is Thursday and Tampa time. It's probably 6:30. Right during that game, the temperature is going to be between 64 and 67, and the humidity is going to be 73 percent at kickoff. Honestly, 73 percent. Not terrible, but it's it's an evening game. So I've been to Florida on vacations. And when we go take the daughter to Disney, we go in the early evening because it's much cooler. We can breathe. We go at 3 in the afternoon, horrible, can't breathe. But it's a change, amazing change, 6.30 at night. Maybe the humidity is an issue, but that game's going to be going from 6.30 till 10 o'clock. It's a night game. I wonder how much that's going to impact And the web and the right now, now this will change on a dime, but the precipitation probability for each quarter of the game is at 4% in each quarter.
1: Yes. And uh, they say that who has the least uh, accurate information, the weather.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: yes. Saying, uh, in Florida, the old adage. If you don't like the weather, wait 15 minutes. <laughs> right? it's, it's going to change. So that's a real wild card during, during the game. and no, Another thing I don't even want to talk about, but it's Lightning. So Lightning could postpone it and kill our anxiety and all that. Yes. <laughs> but in football, it's the margin. You're talking about two very, very equal teams in a tiny edge each way could help either or. So 73% humidity, I think it's good. That's a plus for them. If it really is that if it's an outlier day or something happens where it's higher humidity, uh I I see it as a big advantage, right? Stony versus yes. says uh gadget plays and then he says, let me see here, uh Gronk, right? Decoy, he's gonna be blocking more uh past success in these big games. Should be accounted for. What are your
0: thoughts on that, John? So, trick plays. You know what? I bet we see three trick plays in the game. And I don't know which team runs two of them. It may depend on game script, but I do bet you see three trick plays. Uh, both of these teams have it in their arsenal. I think Andy Reid has it a little more. I bet the two trick plays come from the Kansas City side of the ball. Now, you mentioned Gronkowski in the question. There are two adva- advantageous situations the Buccaneers need to utilize if they want to win this game first of all we learned this in the first matchup but I knew this before but the tight end defense of Kansas City is not good if they use Cameron Brait they're making a big mistake Gronkowski is a physical mismatch he took them six catches for 106 yards in that first matchup and they had nobody who could deal with him Oh sure, Cam Brady get his nice eight yard catch, his nice ten yard catch, and be done. Gronkowski had a forty four yard catch in that game. He had a twenty nine yard catch in that game. He is uncoverable by this specific defense. And where the Chiefs struggle most is when a tight end is moved out into the slot. Look, Tom Brady will have some influence on the game plan. We know I think this. He's
1: calling twenty plays. I think
0: I like it at yeah, a 60
1: plays, 20 are going to be called by Arians. And I use that from a reminder left, rich is going to call 20 and Tom Brady is going to call 20. And he can audible anytime he wants.
0: Yes. I don't know how we go into a game of this magnitude and stage and put our chips on camera and break Tom Brady knows the magnitude. He knows that Gronk is always there on the biggest stage in the biggest moment. We saw it the year he retired. In that Super Bowl, he caught that long pass down the sideline when he was beaten up, his back could hardly move. He was the player that made the big play that set up the put away to give them that game. Gronkowski was a factor against them in the previous game. He has to be here, and Chris Godwin is the other one. The Chiefs are very good against outside receivers. Mike Evans had two garbage-time touchdowns when the game was out of hand. But Chris Godwin was consistently open in the middle of the field. The Chiefs are not good against slot receivers when they play three receiver sets, which isn't often. You mentioned earlier, they do run a lot of two tight end personnels, but there will be plenty of 11. And Chris Godwin will bury them in the slot. So if Bruce Arians is committed to getting, and Brady, getting the ball to Gronk, getting it to Godwin, those are the best advantages they have aside from the running game. And if they utilize those advantages, that is their path to victory. But sometimes Bruce Arians is very stubborn about the downfield passing attack to his outside receivers. And if he gets married to that for too long, that is going to be problematic. Brady's going to be pressured. And like in the NFC Championship game, where he threw those three interceptions in the second half and tried to give the game away, we're going to see that again.
1: 100% agree. It's interesting you say that because uh, the bomb to Scotty Miller – Right. Brady was uh, marketing where I left with Brian I left, was called that play. So I could see the arguments in the, uh, in the room.
0: Can I explain that play? Yeah. Here's what happened on that play. So it, there was about happened seven, on Sunday.
1: we'll have you describe that on Sunday as well? Yes.
0: Yeah, yes. So here's how the Scotty Miller touchdown happened. First of all, there were about six or eight seconds left in the half. It was pretty clear to the to Packers that the Bucks were going for a field goal. They basically defended not the sticks, but the line for the field goal to keep them away from the field goal range. Then here was the scheme of why the play worked. Jair Alexander was the cornerback. You didn't want to go after. They put Mike Evans from his frequent left side. They put him over on Alexander. Kevin King, their worst cornerback was on Scotty Miller who can run circles around him. They also knew because Packers would be defending against a field goal. The safety was not looking for deep coverage. They were looking to stop the middle of the field. The play call was pristine because it took Miller literally four steps to get past Kevin King, and it was an easy touchdown. Very Because they, they avoided uh, Jair Alexander, and they knew the defense was guarding the stick, so to speak.
1: Oh, yeah. No, Scotty Miller. And it, that's uh, – I love – what I'm saying is that listening to this podcast a week from now is like listening to the live stream you and had now then because we explained to the folks not only was JPP going to get that over, but the Scotty Miller is the fastest receiver on the Bucks by far. The airy concept, right? Chris Godwin from Penn State, I feel, is the best overall receiver on Tampa Bay, All right? I think uh, Mike Evans is a – again, we talk about impulse control issues. You know, when he got in a fight at a bar and then he's hanging around with Manziel, usually that's impulse control issues. And then he gets in the fight with a guy in New Orleans, blah, blah, blah. That's why you don't trust him. Right here are plays where – You're only going to go to highly trusted people. Now, Cameron Brate was the only person who made Jameis Winston better because he was very reliable. Me as an academic guy, I like him because he's from Harvard. And uh, he's just a smart guy. He uh, matches Brady's little... Uh, when I was in the corporate world, I used to hate him. Little kiss-ass stuff when people used to buy you chocolates or this and that. He's going into the tight end rooms with Brady and Gronk's favorite thing, right? And What's Brady doing in the, in the tight end room, right? So he's an auxiliary coach, really, Tom Brady. Uh, I see Gronk and, and, and Braid and Godwin in an air raid situation <clears throat> where I see them doing hand signals see what defense they're in, and then boom, they go. Evans not. Antonio Brown, 100% not. We already know Fournette not, right? So 100% agree with you, but I do think that Cameron is going to get exactly one big catch on third down when that happens, when they give each other a signal and they both agree on what defense Magnolo is – is looking for, and when you were talking, it kind of triggered me that I'm going to go ahead and bet the second half over because once they see all the formations and things that are coming in, uh, Spagnolo looking at him, seems like a control freak. He seems like a guy who has a set game plan for the game. doesn't adjust. There's not, especially if Kansas City has a lot of success in the first half, he's not going to make a lot of adjustments in the second half. And that three-headed monster of coordinators. Another key, again, Greg Ottman, he did the Athletic. used to cover USF, Tampa Bay. He did a feature on Clyde Christensen. Super Bowl winning coordinator with Tom Moore, Peyton Manning, and he was the tight end on the Tampa Bay Super Bowl team with Gruden who comes from the Mike Coleman coaching tree related to our friend at Andy Reid, very incestuous. What does that mean? That's why we're able to predict things at a high level because birds of a feather flock together. And these guys look at uh, Torverville, the Senator from Alabama, right? Successful college football coach. Successful football mind. He gathers college football coaches' money, and he loses it all. So now Tower Tomerville is broke. And now every time they interview him, it really demonstrates how really dumb he is. So one thing I got from listening to Jim, right, is that don't overthink this And this is not brain surgery. As much money as these guys are making, as smart as they are, this is not brain surgery, right? And overthinking it, like Jim said, I remember listening to one of his broadcasts. He's like, don't overthink this. (laughs) (laughs) This is what's going to happen. And there's only so many things that can happen, right? So I kind of agree on it. Is it, we're kind of in agreement that Tampa Bay might be slow. Tampa's saying that, slow in the first. Could be 17, 24-7 Kansas City at halftime. And then I think I see explosion on both sides in the second. What are your thoughts?
0: I think that is the best bet on the slate right there. That is probably the best opportunity to hit out of all of this because everything else we have variables. Right. Yes, I can give you a predicted score. I'm not the gambling guy. I'm the guy that breaks down X's and O's and breaks down, you know, matchups and tries to find, you know, advantages and disadvantages and expecting the coaches will do the same. But you listen to Josh for the gambling advice. You can utilize my ideas to help frame yours a little bit. So by the
1: way, your fundamental analysis, which is brilliant.
0: Thanks. But you made the call there the second half over that would be the play.
1: Second half over, uh, you have any thoughts before we move on to game predictions, how to look at it, how to monetize it? I kind of feel my first instinct, this was a GameStop opportunity. <laughs> Whatever GameStop, you made uh, 200 two, 300% on your money. You can do so as well with this, the way the, the stars have aligned. However, you bet equal amounts. And right after this podcast, I'm going to break down Pac-12 games, and I'm going to put the same amount on these Pac-12 games than I am the Super Bowl. So any thoughts before we move on to predictions and then props?
0: Yes. I, Patrick Mahomes is Michael Jordan right now. Right. And the Bucks have a better roster. There's no question. They have a better roster top to up. They have a way better defense. They have a better offensive line. They have over as a collective group probably better wide receivers but at the end of the day Patrick Mahomes is Michael Jordan he can make things happen when they're not there that's what I think we can't quantify but we can qualitatively say that is the difference in the game
1: absolutely absolutely uh Stony Berg says we'll answer this before we go to predictions does Scotty Miller play more than AB in those three wide receiver sets?
0: If AB is healthy, AB is their three receiver player. And he practiced in full today. So my guess is that Brown is going. Now, Josh, at some point we get to Bridges. I, gotta, I hear I just have a call, so I got about two minutes.
1: All right, cool. So we'll go rapid fire. We'll go rapid fire. Uh, Scotty Miller is there for a reason. AB is there, going to be there for a reason. There's going to be specific plays. This is going to be like surgery done for specific plays. Uh, I'll go real quick, and then we'll go you for the close. Uh, I feel it's going to be 48, uh, 48, 31, 44, 31, 47, 41 Tampa Bay with explosions going up in the second half games going way over. And I agree with Patrick Mahomes being Michael Jordan, but he's not himself. Props are JPP. Again, the over on sacks. Tom Brady will get exactly one yard on a quarterback sneak. Go the over right now. Yardage for Tom Brady is zero. And then uh, rushing yards for Fournette over rushing yards for Mahomes, 30 under. I don't think he's going to get for 30 yards. You take us out, Jim.
0: Okay. The props that I like in this game I like Darrell Williams under 36 and a half rushing yards. Yes. I don't think they're going to run at all. Um, I like Grock over 29 and a half receiving yards. I like betting on a Grock touchdown. Nice. And finally, if he's active, I like Sammy Watkins over 36 and a half yards. Again, if he's active, I think that's an nice. easy one in this game. And my prediction of this game is 41 to 31 Chiefs. And basically we both said the over on this game is the way it's going.
1: Right. And both independently said 41. So bet either team will score 41. Try it, right? Because between Jim and I, we have forty over 40 years watching football. And we're breaking this down to make you money watching this game. Not only enjoying it, but monetizing it. And we always close. And I know Jim, nobody comes on the podcast who doesn't agree with this. And I know Jim agrees with this 100%. What Winston Churchill said to get us out of the last crisis we were in as a Western society. You make a living from your labor. But... You make a life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the ESBC Sports Betting and Financial Podcast.